Now, when you say people who have had an impact on our lives, mm-hmm. what like what is? It the... can't be Jesus Christ, okay? Mind Gap Podcast. Guys, welcome to Mind Gap. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And happy Thursday to you yes. and yours. Happy Thursday to all of yours. To all of yours. I mean, you might have more than one. And also to you. Yes. And all of you. <laughs> and all of you. You might be more than one. And you. And I, Whoa, what does that mean? We, well, I just I hope there's more than one listener. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I hope there's more than just For some hey. reason, I just imagine like, you know, the movie, the show Legion, and there's more than one of you, and they have multiple personalities. I'm like, I need to watch that show. It's an awesome show. Yeah. Season one. Well, I have one. heard nothing but incredible things about it. You would love it from a cinematic perspective, too. Okay. Like the things that they're able to pull off is I've heard incredible. That, that some of the VFXs is, is, are out of sight on there. And I haven't checked out season two yet, but I keep seeing screen shots from it because yeah. I like Legion on Facebook and the stuff they post I'm like Jesus that's like mind bending and they're like yeah yeah well is. the scene that I that I keep going back to in uh, season one the like out of the trailers and everything they've seen was the kitchen scene where yeah. like, there was like a whole bunch of kitchen utensils and they did the, the stop motion I know it's an old it's an old visual effects yeah. trick that they're they're pulling out but it still looked it, the way they did it looked really cool the, the storytelling in that show was just they really challenge you as the viewer to try and decide what's real and what's not. And really kind of puts oh, you in the okay. mind of like, is... And so much so you, you, you really feel for the character. Trying to it, figure out whether or not... Because at one point, because you start out seeing him in a mental institution, he has no idea what's going on. Okay. And then by the end of the first episode, he literally like turns to someone and he goes, is this happening right now? Like he is so confused, he doesn't know what's real. That's fucking and terrifying. And you really feel for him because you're like, oh my God. And it's really well done and it's... It's a real mind blowing sort do of. You, do you? I feel like if you had powers, that would be, like, if you had like the power of like telekinesis or something mm-hmm. or telepathy. I feel like you would live a lot of your life in that gray area of, is this happening or am I making this up? Well, I think that's one of the most terrifying things is like you know, the idea of not understanding what's real and what is. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I think of dementia and things like that, where people yeah. are like, "I'm confused. I don't know what's happening right now." Right, it's a horrifying concept. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, just you know, is it, and I'm like, great. That's what we get to look forward to. Wonderful. Thanos Our, with the reality gem. Yeah, more or less. You don't it's know. Like, you just don't know. And not only that, but when you, it's because <laughs> people assign so much truth to their reality and their perception of reality. So if that's taken away, right. all of a sudden they feel empty and they feel depressed. It's it's no different than, you know, my experience in college, uh, people being very steeped in religion and then going to a philosoph- philosophical class, right? a philosophy class, and someone is like sort of ch- not necessarily challenging them, but they're bringing up points and they don't necessarily agree with it because it's challenging the reality and they're like, ah! I don't like this. Right. It's it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, when when everything that you've based your complete foundation of of this is what I this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is what I believe. This is what I know to be true. Mm-hmm. And then someone gives a well thought out, not digging like I because in the philosophy class it's not like you're fucking wrong. It's well just pause it for a moment. Mm-hmm. That what if and it's like whoa wait a second what. Mm-hmm. 
Because we I can never, both be right and both be wrong in right. a philosophy class. I learned that the, the hard way. Which is why philosophy degrees are hilarious. Shit. Yeah. They're good for uh, learning how to argue, but that's about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's in reality, things. I kind of wish I had a philosophy degree. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing is like just trying to grasp that stuff, and people also feel betrayed. I think sometimes too when that's not the way that it is. Right. Which is why I think a lot of the times, like I'm sure the first movie that had an unreliable narrator. And all of a sudden you realize that everything that they had said was like incorrect. Or you see it from the real perspective. You're like, oh my God. It was right. probably like, holy shit. Right. I trusted this, this, this storyteller because you always trust the narrator. Because yeah. why wouldn't you? Movies lie. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, by the end, he was the murderer. Right. He did it all. What? Like it's probably just shattering your reality. It's really interesting. He was alone in a room tied up in a straight jacket like Drew. I love that. All of this is just happening. Even this is happening when he eventually listens. Drew, this isn't real. We have an ongoing joke with Drew that uh, Justin and I did way back when where <laughs> we'd be doing really dumb stuff at work and Drew would like shake his head and we'd turn to him and go, Drew, you realize that this is all part of a dream, right? He's like, you're, what do you mean? Like, Actually, right now, you are in a straight jacket in a mental institution. You're imagining all this. <laughs> you're talking to us like we're there in your cell, but there's nobody there. And he's like, that's really depressing. I'm like, I know. Right, because it's true. Because it's true. <laughs> We're not really here. Really leaned into it. I think I don't, he never bought it, obviously, but I think there's a very small part of him that died every time we brought it up because he's like, what if well, on some stretch <laughs> this is the truth? Of course, you were the one to be like, well, what if it's true? Yeah. You're the Captain Devil's Advocate. I was, yeah, I'm like, well, what, what if, if we, it's true? What if, Doug, what if you and I don't exist right yeah, now? Yeah, right? What if Drew's making up this dialogue? <laughs> Well, that's the funny thing, because recently when he came to visit, one of us brought that up. I think it was yeah. you, and it was like, you know, this isn't really real, Drew, right? <laughs> and he was like, God damn it. <laughs> years since we did that, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this is, this, is, this is all in your mind. You're all inventing this. You know, your reality is shattered. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. You know what's not in, in just my mind? It's reality. Elephant it's and Castle. Where we're fucking sitting right yes! now. Yes, yes. Elephant and Castle, 185 North Wabash in Chicago, Illinois. Guys, come check it out, because it's British. Right. Just like David Beckham. And I just watched Dunkirk. And right. Like Which David Beckham starred in. 20-minute installments, because that's apparently how I watch movies these days. Um, and Man, uh, having a kid and commuting from the suburbs really changes your I life. i got to be honest with you. Uh, I feel like that really impacted how I, how I felt about the movie, because I was like, I don't see what all the big fuss is. But I was also <laughs> just watching it in 20... 20- Were you watching it on your iPhone, too? Uh-huh. See? No! Watching no. it in twenty minute increments no. here and there, I'm yeah. like, everyone's like, dude, it's so intense. I had to take a break. I'm like, I took like five breaks during this movie. I don't. Oh, I disagree to the fact that I had to take a break from the movie. Like mm. when I was in the theater, I never at any point thought this is really like I was. I was in. I was engaged in it, mm-hmm. but I never thought it was so intense. I needed to take a break. I want to know who you're talking to, and I want to tell them they're wrong. Well, I, also my, <laughs> I was like the way the last shot of the film was like. It, it like it cut from like shot it was like cut from like Tom Hardy being captured right to someone planes else, burning on the beach to all of a sudden it cuts to a kid just looking up from the newspaper and then it just cuts to black it was like half a second it was like <gasps> boom and it cuts to black I was like this seems like a really bad edited YouTube video Jacob's ladder you know I'm it's like, a Jacob's ladder scenario I was like I don't I don't know how I felt about it like it was fine I guess it just it didn't play out like I thought it would yeah so I don't know. I was like, it cuts to a kid who's just reading the funny section of a car. It's a cartoon he was reading, and all he played it out in his mind. He was like, whoa. Yeah. In my mind. He has his G.A. Joe's out <laughs> on the floor, and he's like, and scene. <laughs> <laughs> a young Christopher Nolan. Tommy, time for dinner. Oh, okay, mom. 
you got captured by the Germans, Tom Hardy. He actually calls him Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a very active imagination, that one. Yeah, I don't know. It was, yeah. it was weird. For, for the, so much stuff that was going on, I felt like not much happened. Okay. It was kind of weird to me in that way. Okay. I'd be curious to see if you felt the same way sitting down, again, watching it again, like and sitting down yeah. in one installment yeah. and just watching it. But... You know, that being said, guys, yeah. Elephant and Castle, uh, we got some great specials yeah. at Elephant and Castle. Uh, we got. Uh, you can gr- come here and watch Dunkirk. They do. In have the basement. That. On your iPhone. Capability. By yourself. Exactly. Yeah. It is a possibility Absolutely. to do that. Uh, they have daily specials, happy hour every day, or they've got uh, snack and shares. So basically, anything that's 11 bucks on the appetizer menu, you can get for half off, as well as some great drink specials every day, happy hour. Also, Specific daily specials. So starting on Mondays, you've got uh, one and done, which mm-hmm. is basically a specialty craft keg of beer is tapped, and they pour it until it's gone, and all glasses are $3. Glug, glug. Glug, glug. Thank you for being like, yes, that's that's correct. <laughs> glug. Uh, you got two. Dilly, up. dilly. Dilly. Oh, no. You almost <laughs> got me to say it. That's twice now you've done that. No. I'm like, I hate you. Uh, tin up Tuesdays, so all tins are 25% off. And Justin, what's a tin? It's a thing that chewing tobacco comes in. God damn right. Yes. It's also a can of beer. Yeah. You got wine down Wednesdays where all bottles are half off and glasses of wine are a dollar off. Woo. And you got goose out Thursdays, so all drafts of Goose Island, I think in bottles? Yes, drafts too. and bottles. Drafts and bottles are 25% off. So check that out. And then on brunch for you brunch motherfuckers. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, you've got $5 mimosas and Bloody Marys. And, of course, there's brunch being served to your pleasure. Right. Served by waiters and waitresses wearing uh, white suit coats with tails. They have white gloves on. They have kitty cat tails. They have kitty cat tails specifically on them. Mm -hmm. They're also wearing cat ear uh, bandanas in their hair. And they also have kitty cat whiskers Mm -hmm. around on their face. They're wearing tap shoes, Mm -hmm. which makes it very loud, Mm -hmm. but uh, it does give a nice uh, ambiance. And they always work the word meow into your order. Yeah, when when they can. Exactly. Exactly. They do good. It's a good time here. Guys, it's they a good don't fucking time. Mess around here. Yeah. So come on down, Elephant and Castle, 185 North Wabash. Our home away from home. And we love it. And you will too. Yeah. You will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, if you come in, feel free to let them know that Mind Gap sent you. Yeah. Say, yeah. hey, Mind Gap, uh, we on TV? With yeah. Mind Gap? Just say, hey, Mind Gap uh, recording today? I want to yeah. hear them. I want to I I wanna see what's going on with those dummies. I got a bone to pick. Yep. <laughs> Yep, you know it. You know it. So how's how how have you been? Uh busy. Good. Yeah. Very good, but busy. Very mm-hmm. busy. Nice. Um things slip in my mind. Nice. <laughs> Who knows why? Uh maybe I'm making it all up in my head and none of this is real. Maybe it's a fabricated reality. Maybe. I don't know, Doug. Maybe. I don't know until maybe. it snaps. Um no, again, just doing a just a metric fuck ton of editing. Um nice. which is uh, which is good. Oh, Chicago HR yes. was nominated for the May 2018 LA Shorts Awards. Nice. It's a, sh- a festival out in LA, and they won. Congratulations. For Best New Web Series. So. And who was on Gavin? Uh, Gavin O'Hurley. O'Hurley. Yeah. Um, uh, and writer. Yes. We had him on a few weeks ago, and the whole clan, uh, I, we're definitely going to have a few more of them on nice. uh, as guests. Um, but yeah, so they won that. So that means now they are in the running for the annual award. Each Ooh. monthly winner goes and gets put into the uh, the big award at the end of the year. So That's fantastic. So congrats, huge congrats to, to all those folks. Gavin, congratulations. Everyone who's worked on that. Well-deserved. Yes. I'm very thrilled. That's excellent news. Now make us proud. Right. Now 
continue. Continue your journey to stardom. How's your week been? Uh, I thought I broke my toe last night. While killing spiders. Really? So the spider We're back to this. Spider Chronicles continue. Spider Chronicles part de Doug's toe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the worst movie ever. Spider Chronicles 2, Doug's toe. I don't know how any of these things connect to one another, but... But you know what? I'll watch this in 20 minutes. I'll see what's happening. I'll watch this in 20-minute installments in the basement of Elephant and Castle. And we'll see how it goes. Right. Uh, yeah, so we still got a spider problem. Uh, okay. It's not as bad. I haven't seen as many, but... Um, <laughs> Have they banded together? Not quite, but they've right. been hanging out a lot in the kitchen. and Together? Uh, I'm no, worried about them congregating. They're definitely not congregating. Right. Uh, and I saw one up on the ceiling, and Jill was like, you know what? I've had it with these motherfucking spiders in my motherfucking house. And I was like, Jill, Natalie's right there. <laughs> so let's keep it. Thanks for that. Let's keep it Christian here. So uh, so she's like, will You're you please kill this? Fundy. She's like... <laughs> Yep, Wayne, that's for you. Uh, so Jill's like, look, it's plus it's on the ceiling. Will you please kill this? I was like, no problem. So I see one, smash it, kill it. And Jill was like, wow, it would take me 20 minutes to summon the courage to do that. And then there was another one over by the light itself. And so, and the thing that sucked too was like, Natalie was looking up at the ceiling and she's like, no spider, no spider. And I was like, oh man, I don't want to traumatize this child. She's already seeing a spider and saying no spider. So basically she's like, you get out of here. She's basically like, no. She started to like cry and whimper a little bit like, I don't like it. I'm like, don't worry. I'm going to annihilate this thing. I'll right. take care of it. Dad's got this under control. So you're teaching her that things you don't like, you kill. Exactly. Great. Murder the things that annoy you. Yeah, I mean, that, that tracks. So there's another one that was kind of close up to the, the rim of the light. And so I had to sort of like lean on. It was over the kitchen table. So I had to kind of lean on our chairs. And I went up to grab it and squish it, but it fell out and it landed on the table. And I jumped back because I also don't like spiders, so it kind of scared me a little <laughs> right. bit. And I slammed my toe down on top of one of the chairs. Yeah, like, buddy. It was really bad. Yeah. And somehow I didn't swear. I just, but the spider hit and started running towards Natalie, and I went. And I was like, God. not my daughter. I was like, got it. But then I was like, I was so instantly angry for no real good reason. Like, cause I was like, my initial thought was like, God damn it. Why did I have to do this? Right. This is so, which is irrational and dumb. And then I was like, this really fucking hurts. I just want to punch something right now. And so I like hobbled away. I took a breath and then I went to the living room and I just sat there. And I was like, God, that really fucking hurt. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're going to be fine. And I started walking, and whenever I put pressure on, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it really hurt. And I couldn't bend it that well yeah. without it really hurting. I'm like, did I just break my fucking toe? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And then Natalie wanted to go outside, so we are playing around outside. I'm like, ah, ah. And I went inside, took off my sock, and I had this really dark bruise on it already. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> so I just spent the rest of the night icing my toe, and it's, it was better today. Good. I wrapped it so it wouldn't swell up. Thanks, John Cochran, for teaching me to some basic... Anti-swelling techniques. Huzzah. Yeah. John Cochran teaching you how to triage your toe in the field. That's right. So, uh, yeah, that was that was my night. Well, so. that sounds terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Cool. But uh, over the past weekend, yes. uh, I, I made a great pilgrimage over to the land, the holy land known as the Quad City the area. QCA, baby. QCA. My God, homeland. God has three letters. That acronym has three letters. Coincidence? Co probably. Maybe. I mean, not even the same letters, but still, there's <laughs> three. You know, in Trinity, Holy Trinity. Right. Trinity is in the Matrix. Trinity, three syllables. There you go. I mean, it's, we're getting too weird now. Yeah, the Matrix. Right. 
three of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. There was also three of Blades. There was Blade Trinity. Right. Yeah. Guys, we three are Star ma- Wars. We are making. Godfather only had two. I don't recognize the third. Mm, likewise. Yeah. Mm, meow. Meow. <laughs> so you were in the QCA. <laughs> so I was in the QCA. Uh, the the main reason, uh, well, first of all, we were visiting uh, Jill's uh, family who just recently moved back there from Germany, which was cool. So now they got to hang out with uh, her cousins. And then, but the main reason why I wanted to go was um, a former track coach of mine at Augustana College named Dr. Paul Olson, uh, who's also a teacher, Okay, um, which is also kind of funny because he's an amazing teacher, English teacher. He taught uh, African-American literature, widest man you'll ever beat. Okay. But that shows you how awesome he is at teaching it. Yeah. Which I think was really cool. Um, but he had been coaching for 52 years. Jesus Christ. So when he was 23... <clears throat> He took up the mantle of cross country and track coach at this college, and for fifty-two years, this man was rocking and rolling there. Yeah, and uh, they had a really wonderful uh, sort of celebration for him, where some they had some guest speakers and things like that. Uh, but I realized like how awesome this guy was, partially because I was like, I want to drive out there and go to this. Like, I don't do that for anything. Yeah, like, I, I don't like going anywhere. <laughs> And I was like, let alone driving there. Right. I was like, I really think I feel like I need to be there for this. I'm like, I think this is really important to yeah. me. And I think it'll be important to him. And uh, when I when I came to the event, uh, first of all, I ate like dog shit while I was there. Just well done. Absolute. I was like, well, it's a cheat weekend. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you used it to the fullest. I give me a quick not to deviate too much. Give me a quick rundown of what we uh, had. Well, d- First of all, I'm like, hey, 22-year-old Doug was actually here at one point in time, so let's relive the glory days. Right. So, the spirit uh, of 22-year-old Doug is within oof. the streets of 23rd Avenue. I had zero control. Like, I was just like, let's do it. Yes. Uh, lunch was at the Olive Garden where Done. there was nothing keto-friendly there at all. Right. So I got him like, fuck it. Uh, you just get a plate of Italian sausages. I was like, I was like fuck it. Uh, we'll have some uh, some soup, some real heavy cream soup, there and then I'll do, some, uh, <laughs> I'll do some uh, fettuccine Alfredo. Yep. I'll just do it. But I was like, but no bread. I don't want any bread. Hold the bread. I'm on a diet. That's like, yeah, like I'm on a diet. I don't want the bread, but I'll eat all this cream and all this <laughs> pasta and all these carbs. Well, cream is milk. It's but so I don't want the cows. butter. I don't want that buttered bread. I don't want the garlic. No, please. No. Right. Garlic's yeah, oh, a vegetable. I was like, Natalie, oh, you didn't finish your macaroni? <laughs> so it started out, uh, okay. But then my body, as I was driving over there, was like, oh, hello. Because you have not eaten like this no. in a couple months now. No. And so and I haven't body, had pasta in a long time. Your body is starting to, uh, to change how it processes. And your body went, what did you do? I was like driving. I was like, oh. Oh, I was on that Centennial Bridge, which is really narrow. And I'm like, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. I'm like, (laughs) oh, no. (laughs) It gets really, the roads over there are really fucking confusing, especially as you're transferring from like one, like Moline to Rock Island. Yeah. It's like, you're on 6th Avenue. Turn right on 38th Street in 0.2 miles. I'm like, how's that possible? How am I going to, oh, I just crossed into Rock Island. Here we are at 36th Street. And I was like, okay. But my body's like, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, what are we doing here? Next stop, Brown Town. And I was like trying to find a place to park, and I didn't know where I could park because it's like technically this is student parking only. You need permit. I'm like, fine, I'll park in a residential area. And I'm walking, and I'm just like, oh no! And I just like run in, like and I like fill out my little name tag. I put it on. I'm like, okay, where are the bathrooms? And I just go, I just unload. 
in there. I just hang out for like 10 minutes. Crack the bottom of the toilet. I was like, oh, Jesus. And I text you. I'm like, my bowels are revolting. <laughs> so uh, after I was done. Emptying, Ladies and gentlemen, it would not be a podcast if we didn't talk about poop. Yeah, that was. I haven't felt like that in a long time. Right. Where I <clears> ate <throat> something and immediately my body was like, get it out. Right. Like, you know, out. Let's get it out of here. Uh, so, uh, I was, I saw, uh, Ols, as we like to call him, he was hanging out there with some people and I was like, I, I, all of a sudden I turned into like a fanboy. I felt like I couldn't talk to him. Of this, of this yeah. coach? Yeah. I like just melted away and I was like, I, I can't go talk to him. Like there's, yeah, there's probably going to be a time after where he'll do like a meet and greet or what? This, he'll is, do a this meet isn't and the right time. Do you think he'll do a selfie with this me? This isn't the right time. I was like signing this guest book and everything and like some older people were talking to him. I sort of like snuck by and I heard, hey, hey, shot putter. And I go, huh? I turn around. He's like yelling at me. He's like, get over here. You tried to sneak past me. He's like, get over here. He gave me like the he biggest. remembered you. Yeah. That's huge. Give me the biggest goddamn hug. And I was just like. I'm like, ah. I just melted in his arms. Yeah. He's like, hey, so what are you doing? And I was like, um, um, so I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a corporate trainer. And I teach people. And uh, I, I did improv. And, and just like this stuff just started. I'm, I yeah. do a pot. I, I, I feel like a little kid. Right, Just right. like trying to, I'm like, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, coach. I promise I'm doing good. <laughs> just just vomiting yeah. out uh, like quote unquote accomplishments. I colored a unicorn. He's like, he's like. <laughs> I, I co- did. I, I co- did paint by number. I color inside the lines. Right. And uh, I finished all my play. All done. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I do. I do a podcast. He goes. Yeah, it makes sense because you were doing the radio thing for him. I'm like, how do you? How does he remember this? I have to say that's pretty impressive. For like that. That speaks to his character. For him to be able to remember that. Like after coaching I, for 52 years, to be able yeah. to pull someone out like that and all those details. That's impressive. I've been gone for 13 years. Right. And he was like, Yeah, I used to do the radio stuff. And I was like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I have a wife and a child. They're not here right ah, now. Ah, good. You're shooting good seed. Good, like, good. She's yeah. taking a nap, so I couldn't bring her. Nah, it makes sense. I'm sorry. Children need sleep. <laughs> Children need a lot of sleep. And then uh, he asked about my dad, which is really cool because he and my dad had a really nice uh, mm-hmm. friendship just from coaching and stuff. And I, uh, you know, told me to retire because he was ill and things like that. And he goes, Yeah, people kept telling me, you know, that you know, you'll know when you're ready. He goes, I guess I'm gonna do this forever because I'm not ready. And he was like, I thought that was really funny. And yeah. then someone got him. I was like, okay, coach, I'll talk to you later. Bye. I just felt like such a, it was so weird. I'm like, yeah. this man is, I realized how much he meant to me. Right, right, like, right. I'm like, I promise I'm doing okay. I'm doing well. And so, uh, and it was weird because while I was there, I felt kind of lonely because I kind of wanted Jill to be there because I wanted to like experience this with her. But at the same time, like I didn't really want to talk to anybody. Like there was some people, there was people from, God, all different like, yeah. people that were there in the 80s. 90s when I was there long after I was gone like there's a whole span of people and I was running into some old teammates and classmates sure. and like I was kind of catching up a little bit but at the same time like I wanted to share this but I also wanted to be alone it was a really weird feeling like you kind of wanted to be just to kind of soak it in be with your thoughts enjoy yeah. the experience I know I get that I absolutely get that. so weird yeah and and then like the ceremony started and uh, a couple of guys came up which is an interesting fact about this guy too uh, you want to talk about good seed uh, this guy has two sons one of which was a former Navy SEAL, All right. a badass, and the other one is a, uh, a TV and movie actor. What's his name? Uh, his name's Eric Christian Olsen. <gasps> 
You don't know who he is. Wait, I actually might. He's in the movie, uh, the, the the very well-allotted Dumb and Dumberer. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. I know exactly who he was he because a- when that movie came out, everyone's like, a local boy. Yep. Like all my family was all about that. Yeah, I, I absolutely knew who that is. And saw yeah. that movie in theaters only because yeah. Olsa's kid was in. He was That's also in bad. Not Another Teen Movie. Yes, he was. He played the uh, the the jock, right? Yes. Yes. He was also in <clears throat> the unfortunate uh, prequel, uh, the the thing, uh, which was not so good. But he's currently in NCIS. Yes, he uh, is. Where he plays that role. So he's a very cool, very cool guy. And he actually, there was three people that came to speak, and they all told some really great stories. <clears throat> and one of which came from his son, uh, which I think is just a testament to who this guy is. He said he remembered when he was uh, about five or six years old. He and his dad were doing what dad and son do, which is pee in the urinal together. Not in the same urinal, separate ones. Uh, Thank and you for clarifying that. At one point, uh, uh, Eric spit his gum out into the urinal. And his dad, Ols, goes, uh, hey, uh, what do you think happens to that gum? How do you think that get it out of there? And Eric was like, I don't know. He goes, well, think about it. He goes, do you think that fits through the netting? Do you think that gets down the drain? He's like, no. He goes, so how do you think it gets out of there? He's like, I don't know. He goes, come with me. So they go down to the uh, a utility area, and they Olsen knocks on the door and opens it up, and there's this guy named Al. He's like, Al, how are you, buddy? How's everything going? How's your wife? How are your kids? Have a really nice conversation about catching up on everything. He's like, hey, I don't know if I've had an opportunity to introduce you, but this is my son. This is Eric. Eric, this is Al. Al takes care of this place. <clears throat> and, you know, whatever. And when they left, uh, Ols turns to his son and says, Al's the guy that cleans the gum out of the urinals. And that was a profound moment for him because he realized that every action has a human behind it. Yeah, okay, yeah. So he humanized in a sense of, like, don't just throw shit around right. because someone will clean it up. That's Al. Al's going to clean that up. Right. So don't be a dick. Do you think Al enjoys picking gum out of piss-soaked urinals? Right. He does not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there was another really great story of this guy. Um, he was talking about uh, how Ols always had this really great positivity mm-hmm. about him, which I had forgotten about. Um, but he'd always be like, you know, he's like, you're going to be great. And he would mean it. Like he would, it, was, it wasn't just a flipping thing like, you're awesome, buddy. You're doing, no, he was like, you're going to be great. And he had this energy behind it where you're like, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be great. Like, it made you feel safe. I am going to be great. Yeah. And um, and he always, refer- this guy referred to it as, as like, it wasn't a Pollyanna sort of, you know, positivity. It's <clears> right, like, right. Everything's great, guys, knowing full well it's dog shit. Yeah, yeah. So he has two daughters, this guy, and one of his daughters is very athletic. Okay. The other one, not. <laughs> okay. Very unathletic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know... One time she decided she was going to run a race when she was younger, and she's like, Dad, I'm going to win. He's like, okay, well, let's just run the race. <laughs> and, uh, you know, let's go out there and just run that race, you know. <laughs> didn't want to be like, you are going to win, right, but right. also didn't want to yeah. like be like, no, you're not. Right. So he's like, let's, okay, let's just go have fun. Yeah. You know, go enjoy yourself. And then when she was in seventh uh, grade, she was like, hey, Mom and Dad, I, I want to try out for volleyball. And they're like, Okay, cool. All right, well, all right, go and go do that. Sure. So they had a couple of different squads. There was like A squad, uh, B squad, and I think it's A1, A2, B1, and B2. Okay. Um, after she tried out, she came home. She goes, Mom, Dad, I'm the manager of B2 squad. 
So, all right, yep, that's how that went. To, a testament to her abilities. Sure. And they're like, all right, well, okay, hey, you tried, you gave it a shot, it's all good. And uh, one time during B2 Squad, someone didn't show up, so they're like, hey, come on in, we're going to have you play. <clears throat> she did well enough where the coach was like, you know what, we're going to keep you as a regular. Nice, on the squad. all right. And her parents, like, remembering how Ols was kind of always there, like, look, you're going to be great, you know, you can be great. Um, he told some other anecdotal things about Ols basically inspiring people and being very real with them, being like, you can be great without just lying to them or whatever. Sure, yeah. Uh, his daughter is now 16. She is starting her sophomore year of high school, and she's currently being sought after by 30 colleges for her volleyball skills. Jesus Christ. Which almost made me cry. That's awesome. that guy got choked That's up. That's awesome. Because he said it wasn't... He goes like, we just encouraged her to do it. You know, we told her, go out there and just give it a shot. Because that's the that was the beautiful thing about Division Three track. Yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Like, we didn't have like, well, only thirteen people can be on this team. It was like, you want to come and and throw the shot put. Great. You may not travel, but when we have open home meets, everyone gets to throw. Right. Everyone gets to run. Yeah. And we celebrated <clears throat> the human aspects of it. Because one of Olson's big things was it's it's the the journey is the goal, meaning it's not about the destination, it's not about winning, mm-hmm. it's not about throwing the farthest or running the fastest. It's, it's about what you do as a human being along the way, right? And that was such a powerful sentiment that I don't think really fully sunk into my head until I got a little bit older, because the things I realized that we did is after every meet we would celebrate people. We'd be like, all right, who was the MVP? All right, who had the you know the the best field performance? Who had the best jumping or whatever? And then we'd always say who had the best overall. Like I can't remember what it was, but who had the best PR? And that could be anybody. It wasn't who ran the fastest time. It was like you could have been in the slowest heat, but if you won and had a personal best, we celebrated that. Right. Because right. that is what matters at the end of the day. That you competed and you did better. Right. Not necessarily who's the best. And he always had this saying that still I, it kind of like revitalized in my brain, but he'd always say, be reckless, be aggressive, and have fun. And his philosophy was like, live life. I don't care. In my perspective for a shot put, he goes, you could have fouled two times, and this is your third throw to try and get you into the finals. He goes, I don't want you to pull back. Right. Don't be safe. Don't just try to get it in there. He's like, no, I want you to throw. I want you to go as hard as you can. As reckless as you can. Right. I want you to fall out of that ring if you have to and foul that third time because I want you to go for it. You cannot be afraid to fail. That's awesome. And that's a very entrepreneurial spirit. It, that's that and that's I yeah. feel like that's something that's really important to teach to teach kids coming up. Yeah. Is that it's it, it is okay because only in the failures do you learn. One That is the only time where you really get yeah, you can learn in successes, but when you really get your like the lessons that stick, it's because of failures. Exactly, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and, and you think about how you unite a team that way because one of the guys that was kind of the emceeing the whole thing was also talking about the culture. Right. He goes, look at your professional sports teams. He goes, he he specifically mentioned like Belichick, like like him or hate him, he has a culture there, a longevity there that leads to success. Right. Paul Olson has been at Augustana for 52 years. Same school for 52 Same years? Same school. That's impressive. For 52 years. Right. That is a culture of 
like him, him <laughs> being a great human yeah, and doing things the right way yeah. and teaching people, coaching people, inspiring people. Like, and he's such an intelligent human being. He, when he got a chance to speak, he, <laughs> he's such an eloquent and literate person where he mentions, you know, he started quoting the color purple, mm-hmm. which, you know, there's a line that says God gets pissed when you don't notice the color purple in a field, mm. basically meaning that, you know, you have all these wonderful things in front of you and you're ignoring it mm-hmm. to get where you need to go. Take a moment, enjoy the color purple that exists in these flowers and, and breathe them in. Yeah. And he was so, you know, and he also thought about that stuff like because he was teaching during the Vietnam War and how, you know, he had kids who one kid decided not to show up to a conference track meet because he wanted to go to D.C. and protest the war. And he said, to this day, he regrets disciplining him after the fact. Oh, yeah. Because that, that was the journey for that kid. That was to him. That yeah. was very important. And yeah. he talked about a lot of different things. He talked about when, what happened when Martin Luther King yeah. you know, was assassinated. And all of those things that he lived through. And that the thing that matters and the thing that really binded us all together was this man and his positive outlook on everything. And just trying to get you to understand it's not about being the best. Mm-hmm. It's about being a good human and competing with yourself and not being afraid to fail. Yeah. And that's something I feel like I've forgotten. Well, I feel like I have to constantly remind myself of the whole, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Because when I, I mean, even through, so in in anything I've done with building two East Eighth, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's yeah. about, I, I, I constantly am like, man, when we get to this point, and it's like, yeah, but when you get to that, that's an, that's an ambiguous thing it's not an attack like when you get to this point then that point just moves further away and then there's the next point and then it's it's what have you done like I look at all the experiences that Drew and I have had up to this point you know us you and I building this podcast yeah. Milos and I building the best bar podcast ever Drew and I doing our videos and, and clients and learning this and failing at, at, at you know the financial stuff and then succeeding at the financial stuff all of that little stuff has helped to shape what it has become. And it's all about that journey. Same thing goes for the marathon when I ran it last yeah. year. All I, and I'm telling, uh, well, we'll hold off on that. Um, but the same thing happened for last year when I was running the marathon is that I kept saying like, oh, I can't wait till I do my 10 miler. I can't wait till I hit those double digits. And then I'm like, I can't wait till I do this. I can't wait. And I was always one step ahead and I had to go wait enjoy this four mile run mm-hmm. because this is part of the whole process, Yeah, you know? And when you're doing your 15 mile run, you're going to wish you're running four miles, <laughs> you know, too. but, or, you know, once you get to that 10 mile run, that's over. Yeah. You've, you've done it. Yeah. Then it's all like, but the journey to get to there is really what the, where the experiences lie. And that's where you found, where I found my strength and where I found my, yeah. all the growth and the personal, you know, when I learned mostly about myself and it's really, it's not the destination. It, it is the journey is where you learn the most about who you are, what you're getting from this experience or any experience that you're going through. Yeah. Or that's where you generate the most memories, which is something yeah. he brought up as well as he said, you know, he remembers uh, going to nationals back in the days where literally you just had to decide you wanted to go to nationals and you could go. Those were what the rules were. And he had some guys that were going to go. He, he put the 21 and older uh, on a flight on their separate ones. And he drove anyone under 21 to, uh, I think, Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. He said when they showed up, he told them to meet him at a certain place. And when they showed up, these 21 and older guys had a group of 30 non-Augustana people together and they were all, they were conducting them as they sang the Augustana fight song just in the street. Okay. He goes, I don't remember the score of the meet, 
but I remember that. Mm-hmm. He goes, mm-hmm. I remember we had one of our best guys, our best uh, high jumpers. Right. We were about to go to the conference meet, and he came onto the bus with a neck brace on and a note that said he couldn't compete. And then he took the neck brace off and said, April Fools. <laughs> he goes, I don't remember, you know, most of that meet, but I remember that. Right. He goes, those are the things that make up everything else. Absolutely. And that idea that breeds that culture of we want to compete, we want to enjoy everything that's happening. And even when we wouldn't do well or, you know, we, we were we were so jacked to the belief that we're going to win. The, the conference meets were really important to us, especially indoor and outdoor, outdoor specifically. And, like, I just remember, like, we're going to win. And even he knew that we weren't. Right. But that wasn't the point. Right. It was that excitement, that camaraderie, that oh, that's where. We that, were probably the most annoying team out there because we were so positive and we would just run around and cheer for each other. We were a bunch of fucking hoodlums. Right. But. It was a, I mean, we would just go nuts for each other you all the time. You were a bunch time. of positive hoodlums. Yeah. yeah. We'd run around and like, we, it's like, and it was, I remember for me, I'm like, all right, guys, we're not just going to hang. Cause a lot of times the field events would be so separate yeah. from the rest. Yeah. People would be like, no, we're going to go and we're going to, let's go see what's going on with pole vault. Let's go see what's going on with high jump, long yeah. jump. This guy's going to run a 10 K. Let's make sure we're there as he runs 25 laps that we run from side to side. Right. And we keep them. We keep them engaged. We, them we going, let them know yeah. that we're there and we're cheering for yeah. them. Like that's that's a huge help, by the yeah. way, to know that your team is that into what you're doing. And, and we that would just supportive. sprint across yeah. the field and just run to the other side and you know all that sort of stuff. We would support each other and we do this really annoying clap for each other to get get everyone jazzed and, and quack. Yeah, quack. That's pretty much what it was. Quack. Yeah. And that sort of like positivity again. It's it's. You know, you're, I think that's a lot of like the improv stuff of that too. Is just like again, don't be afraid of failure. Support yeah. each other, like truly connect and that sort of stuff. And I just going there inspired me to be better because I've gotten cynical. I've forgotten that stuff. No, I'm always like, that's what? not gonna work. Boo! You, how are you supposed to get to that goal? You, <laughs> you cynical? What? You know, and I, I saw that. I'm like, oh man, I could be better. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I'm yeah. like, I was thinking about what I do at work, and I do, I do pretty well. But when I brought it up to my boss, she was like, "I think you're like that." I'm like, I could be better. I could be way better. I could, I could take I an do, approach to it. I can do it. better, coach. Coach, I can do, I can do better. Like I, I could approach it a way that is less about me and less and more about other people. And how can I, you know, make the journey the goal? Sure. Yeah. In that sort of regard. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it, it got me really motivated, and I just made me start thinking about like. The amount of influence people can have on people, and I think he's well aware of the influence he's had on people. I mean, oh yeah, uh, well, I, you can't spend fifty-two years in a profession and have that many people show. Like you, you can't be as humble as you are. You can't be that blind to what kind of impact you've had. You just at one at some point you just have to go, yeah. Look, I'm impact. Like you have to admit it and give yourself that kind of credit. If at the end of my career I were to get a fraction of percentage of those people that were in that gymnasium yeah. or the people that couldn't even be there yeah. to give a shit about anything that I'd ever done, I would consider that a success. That yeah. man had an entire gymnasium full of people yeah. who were there to celebrate him and everything that he had done. And again, there was a lot of people that couldn't make it. Right. And it was, it was so... I just was like, man... This guy, that's why I always appreciated my dad too, because he did similar stuff like with track, like influencing people and stuff. I'm like, man, what a great responsibility. Yeah. And I believe he took it seriously as well. And it made me really think about, wow, like what can we do 
as, to influence to people. influence people and, and and to also pose a question to you. Do you have anyone? Do you feel like that was a long winded story, but you know, <laughs> about twenty five minutes worth. Twenty five yeah. minutes worth of that. But I, that man is is one of the best human beings on the planet. I don't say that flippantly. He's yeah. a he's a great human that you don't meet that often. We actually ran the numbers. We've had our our um, research analysts do the legwork on that, and Doug is. 100% accurate in that statement. All right. Thanks, Kevin, for running those numbers. Yep. Kevin! Get back on the floor! You haven't earned the chair yet. He's always fucking getting way, way over his head with the praise. Exactly. You give him a little bit. Give him, like, I can sit in the chair now? Give no. him an inch, he'll take a foot. That's right. A literal foot. <sighs> so anyway, I pose yes. a question to you. Uh, is there anyone that's been like that in your life? No. Next. <laughs> cool. Next question. Uh, is capital uh, punishment appropriate? <laughs> cell phones in schools? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, I mean, it was funny because as you posed this to me, I remember when you initially posed this uh, this topic to me. Uh, I was I, I had I did give it some consideration at that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it very quickly faded from my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that moment, I was it was. A little upset because I didn't think I had someone who had made the type of impact that you had relayed, again, just in the very short amount of time that we had talked via mm-hmm. text. Um, I, I can't think of anyone, or I, I wasn't able to think of anyone who had that that kind of impact on me. But what I realized is there was a, a bunch of people who have had elements of that. Sure. And so I've it's not been like one person who I'm just like, oh, whoa, but it's been a bunch of people who I've learned little little slivers of similar things from far too many to name but like even yourself and Drew and mm-hmm. my wife like people that I'm with every day and then people who were in more of like an authoritative role like there's one guy um, at my uh, high school Mr. Murawski Dennis Murawski he was an English teacher both Rob and I had him for uh, for English um, and uh, he's one of those guys that he was constantly he just marched, he was very eclectic, marched to the beat of his own drum, but fucking loved literature. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I learned from him the value of, of really loving what you do or mm-hmm. doing what you love. Like, because he had, uh, he purchased a house that was, uh, I want to say, I can't remember what author it was, but it was a famous author. Um, and he actually had it lifted. When he moved, the house moved. Like, he actually paid to have it, like, and he showed the video in class of like the house getting loaded onto this this truck and slowly moving to the new plot and being reset. That's crazy. And the new place, so, like that's how much he like loved that kind of mm-hmm. that kind of shit, you know. Um, and he would always make the stupidest literary jokes. But and at the time, I was like, this guy's nuts. But looking back on it, I realized like this is the epitome of doing what you love. Yeah. And he truly loved everything about literature, and he was a fantastic teacher because of it. Like when we were. I remember one of my favorite books in high school was Romeo and Juliet because mm-hmm. of him. Like I remember like memorizing large parts of it and he would in class, like he would have us act it out and he'd stop and he goes, oh, and he would be sitting on the edge of his desk. And he's like, what do you guys think? What do you think Romeo thinks at this point? Yeah. You know, and he's like, you would really get into it. And like, it was that very like dramatic engagement that you're just yeah. like, I don't know. What does he think? What does Romeo think? Yeah. And you really like felt that he like he was into it. So yeah. that was one. And That's then really cool. the more I thought about it, uh, uh, my 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 dad, my father, uh, and my father in law, uh, both of them have been 
hugely instrumental, specifically my father, because I, I learned I, two of the biggest things I ever, I ever got from my father is he would, he would give you the, and I mean this in a very literal sense, the shirt off his back. Like mm -hmm. he would, there was one time there was a guy uh, who lost his license because of, a, or his car got impounded, I think, because of DUIs or something. And he needed to borrow a car to go something. I don't, his kid or something. My dad lent him his truck. Mm -hmm. And I remember my stepmom was just like, what are you doing? And he's just like, yeah, he needed it. Like he, it was yeah. anything he would, someone needs, he's there. Mm -hmm. And so that, that unconditional giving and just like being there for people, I definitely learned that from him. And that, that has stuck very big in my head. Mm -hmm. And he always taught me, and to, to a point too, my, my stepmom, I don't want to leave her out of this. They both worked to teach me uh, communication. Um, when I was, I mean, I can't remember. I was super, super young. You're looking at knees of everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Um, they would always tell me when you, this is so-and-so like from, from a distance, that's so-and-so want you to go up. I want you to shake their hand and I want you to say, it's nice to like, look them in the eye and say, have a conversation. Say, it's nice to meet you. Ask them how their day was the communication and then come back. Started. Yeah. And like, I fucking hated that when I was a kid. <laughs> and, see that, and that was fine with it because it was yeah. mostly my dad's firefighting friends and mm. you know, is, is, and they're, that's a different breed all in and of sure. themselves. So they would, you know, they'd fuck with you and everything, but yeah. it always, it reminded, it, it taught me to, you know, look someone in the eye, listen to what they're saying, really be, be communicative. And, how far that can go with people yeah. and how a lot of people just lack that basic ability and how, what a discrepancy it is when you have it and when you don't have it. Yeah. And I, I forever will take that, you know, with me. Um, and then to my father-in-law, to his point, uh, he's coached basketball for 40, I think yeah. 45 years or something like that. So up there as well, <laughs> uh, girls basketball, uh, either grade school or eighth grade. I think he's done a little high school as well. Um, but he's the same type of guy where like everyone in Northwest Indiana is just like, oh, Andy Jusic, absolutely, you know, <laughs> oh my God, he this and this. I remember when Coach would tell me this, and it's you know women in their forties, and it's just like oh, they still call him Coach, and sure. it's that kind of thing. And again, someone who you know he he at one time owned his own business. He was an art director for a long time, loved to draw. He uh, coached. He just he only did things that was that he liked, mm -hmm. and it served him very like he's. Sounds like he's you done got it very well. Out. <laughs> yeah, and so like just watching him kind of work in the last you know eight, nine, ten years, watching just watching him recently has he's had a huge impact on on just how I've carried myself and That's awesome. how I look at things and how I can you know he's he's just one of those guys too who just he knows everything's going to work out and it does <laughs> and he's one of those guys that you just. You, you hear about the people who just kind of will things to happen. Yeah. He's absolutely one of the, it's the weirdest fucking thing. That's awesome. But I look at him and I go, okay, if he can just will that to have, I, it's possible mm -hmm. to just be set. Yeah. You can be okay. And you just have to have that confidence that eh, it's going to work out. And somehow it does. That's and awesome. it's just really cool to see that. So that's really yeah. cool. So now let's talk about people that you think you've influenced. Who do you think you've influenced in your life? That was going to be, that was going to, ironically enough, my dad just commented on one of my photos on Facebook. I just got a little notification. He knows we're talking about him. <laughs> What's up, dad? Hey, daddy. Um, no, so I was actually going to ask you that. Like, do you think that you have influenced someone or how do you think, like, is would it be weird for you to, you know, 10 years down the road, five years down the road to have someone go, hey, look, Doug, or Mr. Cochran, depending <laughs> on, you know, who we're talking about, 
man, when you said this or when you showed me how to do this, like it just, it profoundly impacted my life. Like, do you think you've had that on someone or how would you react if someone said that to you? Well, first of all, I'm kind of, uh, I have a hard time accepting compliments. Do you? It's, it's kind of weird yeah. for me. So I just assume that nothing I do matters. So it's hard for me to, uh, I assume nothing you do matters either. See, look, we're yeah. all on the same page. That's it's good. about it. Yeah. And by the way, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, Fuck you. There was <laughs> actually, I can think of two situations off the top of my head. Yeah. One, uh, when I was in high school, I really looked up to, uh, the senior who was a wrestler. Okay. Really good. Uh, his senior year just beat the shit out of everyone. Yeah. And I was like, he's unstoppable. He only had one loss. And was it was at, you? It was at the, not that guy. <laughs> Lost once at state. Okay. His senior year, and he ended up getting third. Okay. I was so devastated because I'm like, he's going to win state. And he yeah. just, I was like, he's unstoppable. And I just remember seeing his younger brother, who was younger than me. I remember going, oh, are you Tyson's younger brother? And he goes, yeah. I go, your brother's a god. <laughs> you said that? I, I was dumb. You All right, guys. I was a freshman. You're in a high dork. School. I love and it. He looked at me like really disturbed. Like, yeah. Okay. And then it was so funny because, like, <laughs> I think it was. God. I think it was. It was either I was a senior, or I had come back uh, in college, like my freshman year of college, and I ran into his younger brother, and he goes, "Wait, you're Doug Cocker?" And I go, "Yeah." He goes, "Dude, you're awesome." And I was like, "What the okay. fuck is happening right now?" Like yeah. this just came full circle, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Like I'm like, I don't know why you just said that, and I realized I'm like, "Oh shit, that's tight." Oh god, like for some reason, what did you do that? I was that, he was a wrestler. I was a wrestler. So he just like he looked up Apparently, to you as far as your wrestling prowess goes. I guess he he'd seen me compete or something. He was okay. like, "Dude," I was like, "Okay, well, I'm not your brother, but okay, whatever." So I was like, "Okay," so somehow I had some sort of influence. Sure. And then actually just this past weekend, uh, I randomly ran into some younger guys who were, um, you know, in a, in a class or two below me. And, and this guy just ran up, and ran up and gave me a big old bear hug. And he goes, Papa Bear! And yeah. I realized that's what people used to call me. Okay, yeah, They yeah. called me Papa Bear. Yeah. And I loved it. I was like, it made me feel so happy. I was like, ooh. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I hope you that. didn't make that noise. I was like, mm, I'm no. so lonely. Okay. Um, I was like, oh, that's right. People used to call me Papa Bear. Yeah. And I realized that... Uh, he, he was like so excited to see me and we shook hands and there's a couple other guys who are like, Hey Doug, how's it going? I was like, Oh wow. Maybe, maybe I did have some sort of influence on these guys. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like the idea of, I don't know if it's, this is probably extreme saying taking credit for anything <laughs> that I, I don't want to be like, yep, it's because I told him to yeah, do that. Yeah. And I encouraged him and that's why he is what he is. Um, but I like to think that I had a positive like energy. Yeah. I was always a dork like that. And football, I was on when I was not playing, like I was an annoying little butthole on the yeah. sidelines just going nuts. <laughs> like if someone got a big hit, I'd be like, everybody on the count of three, yell pow. And I'd get people to do it. Yeah. Because I'm like, that is so cool. Like I was just like, I was like, I got, that's again, my behavioral, you know, disc setting is support. I'm supportive. Right. That's what I do. Harmony, baby. Yeah. That's my strength. So I'm all about supporting people and doing that sort of stuff. So I think to a certain degree, I like to hope that in sports or other ways, like I'm hoping even now in my current role, like a lot of people will come and confide in me and, you know, ask me for advice on stuff. And yeah. I don't take that stuff lightly. You know, um, I, I, you know, sometimes it's situations where I'm like, I don't know what to tell you to do or this is really serious. But I'm yeah. like, I feel good that they came to me to ask or yeah. to, to get my advice or to talk to me. I'm like, well, that means they trust me or... You know, I've gotten to the point now where I've trained so many people that I just can't remember people's names. Yeah. And I just, just walking. Man, far cry from your coach. Right? 
He, well, he, he didn't say my name. You fucking failure. <laughs> but he knew who I was. Uh, but I remember I recognized people's faces. But I was just yeah, walking yeah. through the floor today, and someone goes, hey, Doug. I was like, hey. I'm like, my typical thing is, hey, buddy, because I don't remember the name. Yeah. I was like, hey, what's up? He's like, going to go see Deadpool tonight. You're going to go see Deadpool? And I'm like, he remembers that I'm a dork. Yeah. Like, I've, I'm very obvious about that when I do stuff. Did you like, have your Deadpool t-shirt on? I did. I was like, oh, <laughs> man, let me know how it is. And then someone else was like, dude, I saw Infinity War. And like people, they had come up and they want to chat, to talk to me about that yeah. sort of stuff. Or, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. So I realized also in that moment, I'm like, I do have a very important position where I am influencing how people come into this company. Yeah. Like I'm setting, I'm laying the groundwork. And sometimes it can be really frustrating because yeah. I feel like, they're not paying attention or they're not interested or they just don't understand like the sense of urgency. And I kind of take it personally and I'm just like, God, you know, I'm putting in all this effort and I just right. feel like they don't care. Oh, you've had some, you've had oh, some stinker stories I've for sure. Yeah. Some rough ones. And I'm like, also this is to a much smaller degree what it's like to be a teacher. Right. You know, but I think it's even more crazy because, uh, you know, uh, these are adults who are getting paid to be there. Yeah. So um, that's why I also get angry. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Just stay awake, man. Right. Give me 30% effort. That's all I'm asking. Right, right. Keep your eyes open, looking forward, and just act like you're awake. That's right. all I ask. Don't close your eyes. Um, so I get frustrated on that sort of stuff, and I think that's something that can... It's, it's like being in customer service and doing great 90% of the time. You get 10% of the time, you get assholes. The only thing you remember are the assholes. They ruin your day, even though you could have made someone's day. Right, even though, or, you know, 50%, 70%, or it's the other way, 90% assholes, 10% nice. Exactly. That it's, like, shocking to you when you get someone that's actually nice. Yeah. And I realize that I'm like, I need to be better <clears throat> at coming in and, and taking that sort of you know, mantra of you're going to be great. Yeah. And the journey is the goal and be reckless, be aggressive and have fun. Like yeah. Those, I think I carry the spirit of that with me. You do. I would always say that, I mean, there are definitely times where your pessimistic side <laughs> gets the better of you. Yep. I would say 60, 40, <laughs> uh, where practical Doug kind of crosses over to pessimistic Doug, where it's just like, Oh man, Nothing works. Yeah. Everything's terrible. That'll never work. We shouldn't do that. But you have a weird optimism that follows right behind yeah. it. And like I so I do think you carry the spirit of that for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I just wanna I wanna do more with that because there's certain things that like when I teach certain classes and stuff, I like I I'm kind of like your your teacher, your literature yeah. where I get into it. Yeah. One of them is customer service. Sure. Like I get into it or you know, feedback, or there's some other things that, like, I get to teach a course soon, uh, an advanced course for uh, some emerging leaders, and I'm super pumped to do it because I'm like, you have no idea how fucking important this is, right? And how big of an impact you can make with this. And I'm like, and if I come with that energy, especially if it's a boring topic, if I come in like customer service, who wants to sit through four hours of customer service? I probably zero right? people. Yeah, but I come in and boy, I'm telling stories. I'm getting them involved. Yeah. I'm bringing it. I, I go in with a mentality of like I have to. I'm starting this and I'm finishing this class. Right. Like I have to come in and I have to just blow them away. Yeah. And I feel like I do a really good job of that. I'm sure you do. I mean, that's something that that that's that's in your wheelhouse of of what you, especially training in general. Like yeah. you've always you've always been. Uh, uh, predisposed to to relating to or liking teachers, coaching, training. That's always been where where you've sat. Mm -hmm. And so for you to be able to get to do that, there's no doubt that you bring that kind of we're going to do this vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I, approaching it like that. Yeah. So let me ask you, who do you <clears throat> think you've influenced? And it's a hard – I don't – I I want to say no one. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Um, 
I uh, I think that I think that uh, the people that I interact with closely on a regular basis, like my friends, I think we've influenced each other. Uh, I don't think you can be friends especially close friends for longer than a certain point without influencing someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have, uh, I will say, and it again, feels very weird to it feels braggadocious to be talking about this, but uh, there, I've been told by a few people that what I'm doing with two East eighth is very uh, uh, inspiring to them because it, they're like, you're, you know, you're working your nine to five, you're working two full-time jobs, mm-hmm. you're working for a company and you're building your own company. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you're constantly on shoots and you're constantly doing this and it's all about what you, this and that. And they'll go on and on and on about, you know, how uh, how much they look up to that and wish they could do it too and wish they, this and this. And I, I tell, often will tell them, you can. Like, I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. is the, the, the secret. I don't think most people who inspire people, I, I truly don't feel that most of them know what they're doing. And I'm using air quotes. I just... <laughs> I think most people are just, they're doing it and they're figuring it out and they're learning along as well. Like you never fully have the answers. And I feel like that's how I am too. And I'm just like, you guys, you can do it. Like I know, like you just have to find that thing that is like for me, video production and just production in general, I like producing Mm -hmm. stuff. And for me, that's what gets me going. I'm like, yeah, I can fucking do that. Well, what about this idea? And then the collaboration starts, isn't it? You got to, if it's music, if it's poetry, if it's, you know, fucking woodworking, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you can do the same thing. You can have that same success or perceived success, or you can, you can follow that same path. It's not a secret formula. You just find what you really like doing and fucking do it. You know, yeah, I think a lot of that is people are kind of paralyzed by fear, which is understandable yeah. because it's, it's scary to start your own company. It absolutely is. You yeah, know? it's terrifying. Like I remember talking with you and Drew about that at one point in time, and I was like, fuck that. And I was like, <laughs> right. no way. I'm like thinking over, you know, Practical Doug was going over every single detail of what it would take just to start it, let yeah. alone maintain it. I was like, well, And that's what, that's what you have to get out from behind because mm-hmm. that will crush you. So you've oh, got to yeah. get out from under that in order to make it happen. Like, cause that fear yeah. will paralyze. Well, it's just like, you know, how many people are in jobs that they hate because they just, uh, put your hand down. Sorry. You love your job. Uh, Kevin, put your fucking hand down. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. Kevin where, loves his job. He loves your job. You can sit down when you get it right. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I, I've talked to numerous people that, you know, are just in their job and they're just doing it because it's either that's their normal. Sure. And they're just grinding it out, or it's scary to yeah. go on. And, and that's not knocking them. It's terrifying. No, it absolutely is. To like, go and do that sort of I stuff. I know at some point there will come a time. There will become a, a point where everything reaches a critical mass, and mm-hmm. I will have to make the decision mm-hmm. to leave the comfort of the 9 to 5 and to go full on mm-hmm. headfirst into 2 East 8th. Yeah. And I'm very much looking forward to that point. Again, this is one of those things where it's the journey versus the point. Yeah. I know it's coming. And I can sit there and go, I wish it was here. I wish it was here, which I do. But I'm like, I need to be okay with getting to that point and knowing it will, it will come to that point. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes, then you have to, because you can hope that point comes, but then when it comes, holy fuck, you've got to really face a very real choice at that point. And you've got to have the balls to jump in. Exactly. We kind of have a culture of, you know, I don't think we celebrate failures. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we don't, it, it, you know, and it's something that I think we need to do. It's too easy to look at someone and be like, oh, you fucking failed. Yeah. It's like, no, it, well, it in, can't it In can't Silicon Valley, they don't, uh, or in any tech hub, they don't look at you as a legitimate entrepreneur. They don't look at you as a legitimate member of that society unless you've had a handful of failures. Mm-hmm. If 
if you've only succeeded, they go, you don't get it yet. Same with stand-up. Stand-ups yeah. oh. who are like, I've only ever gone up and killed. They're like, then you haven't done it yet. Yeah, right. Like, you're playing to the wrong place. Exactly. Yeah, you're not challenging yourself. You're not getting there because, again, you learn. You get your truest life lessons from failure. Absolutely. It's, it's no different than uh, playing a video game only on the easy setting. Right. You're just going to win every time. What are you learning? Right, exactly. You're not learning anything. Or it's mindless. It's tough sometimes to, like, if you're playing, again, video games, it's like, I want to go against someone who's just as good, if not better than me. Right. Because it's going to make me better. Right. And that happened to me once with uh, the game Left 4 Dead. I played with some really good people. Really good people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I came back and played with my brother and his friends. And I, was, and I was really good. That was a, one of the few moments where my brother goes, all right, uh, this is your game. Like, meaning, he basically <laughs> was like, you are rocking this one. He's conceding and that he's not going to beat you. He was you, like, yeah. you yeah. are good. And yeah. I was like, shit, I think I, because I played all the time with these yeah. really good guys. And I got my ass handed to me, but occasionally I get in some good things and yeah. I would learn some stuff. And so when I would go back and play with these other guys, I was like, check this shit out. Right. And they're like, Jesus Christ. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, and I was yeah. pulling off some pretty amazing stuff. Um, and it's just, it's, it's one of those things where you got to be able to put yourself out there. It's like, again, like jujitsu. You're going to get your ass handed to you. Uh, by people who really know how to do jujitsu, right? You know, and they're gonna they're gonna choke you out. They're gonna tap out, and you're gonna be. It's gonna take a long time to get better. But right. if you're only going against people who are a lower belt than you, right? Are you gonna get any better, dude? I'm fucking amazing. Yeah, right. Like it's you, yeah. got, you gotta be able to accept that that fear and that failure. Like I'm probably gonna get my ass kicked. Right. But what are you gonna learn from it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a hard thing to get out of. Oh, it's a really hard thing to hard get thing, out of. But it's necessary. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's just it's like anything else. Any other really cheesy analogy of like yeah. basically forging yourself into something better because yeah. of it. But you well, know, yeah. I mean, and the only way that you truly get better is by consistently. Going into the same thing and hashing it out and making and figuring it out, like, like for example, figuring out who would win when you pit one person against another person in a battle royale to the death. Yes. Yeah, what only, would you call something like? Well, that? I would say the only way you can really truly get better is if you you kill the other person right. who's pitted against you. Absolutely. And what we know as the throwdown. Throwdown. Yes. Yes. So today's throwdown. Uh, I was going to try to pull something from the episode, but um, it was just way too uh, like heartfelt and real, and I was like, fuck it. So uh, <laughs> what I felt like, I've had this on here for a while, and I think this would be a good time to throw it out there. Um, I'm going to preface it with this. Mm. Uh, yesterday, or two days ago, was it two days ago, uh, I was just sifting through. I realized I had not been on Amazon Prime in a while. Okay. And I was like, oh, let's just pop back on Prime and see what movies are out there. I happened upon the Power Rangers movie, oh, the Christ. newest one. Oh, boy. And I was like, oh, I remember this was a thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, when I was younger, I liked the Power Rangers. I'm curious, you know. So I threw it on, and I watched five minutes, and I went, hmm, let's get to the part where they're the Power Rangers. And I just kind of <laughs> sifted through a half hour before the movie ended. They morphed. Oh, no. It was like this much of the time was done, and like I got here, I'm like, I'm really... I'm fast-forwarding pretty far through this. Oh, no. Nope, they're fighting, but they're not in their costumes yet. No, nope. well, one of them morphed. No, nope. okay, they're having a thing where, like, how do you morph and going through, how do I pull it out of myself, and that's gross. And then I got to the end. Justin, I was like, I'm going to tell you right now yeah. how you pull it out of yourself. Tell me. <laughs> so first of all, mm -hmm. when a man loves a woman, uh -huh. go for it. All right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I got to that point, and I was like, okay, from here forward. So I watched a solid 25 minutes of this movie. 
Um, and when they brought out the Zords and mm-hmm. they formed Megazord, I was like, oh, that's right. The fact that you said the word Zords just, man, I mean, my blood pressure spike. I it's know, right? dumb. We brought out the Zords. Get the Zords. Ugh. Megazord. Ugh. Yeah. Gross. So I was like, oh, that's right. Giant machine, which reminded me I had this on my list from a while back. So I wanted to put Transformers. Mm-hmm. Versus against GoBots. The... Yes. No. Trans- Transformers all the way. Uh, Transformers versus the robots from Pacific Rim. Okay. Uh, ooh. Well, the Pacific Rim robots are way bigger. Are they? Yeah. Yeah, they They're are. like the size of skyscrapers and shit. So, pretty big. In my head, <laughs> I forgot how the size difference was. So, here's the thing. I... Re- no, you're you right. You want to Ant-Man these guys a little bit, bring them down to size? But even or we then, buff the Transformers bust up. It, okay, yeah. we can buff. Why don't we just, scale-wise, let's make them the same. We're the same size. Okay. They have their abilities, but they're the same size. Because <laughs> I remember Transformers. I thought they were the size of buildings, but now I'm like, you know, Optimus Prime was like a two-story house. Yeah. Fuck. All yeah. right. Yeah, these, we're going we're gonna to Ant-Man this, and we're going to make them the same like size. like Pacific Rim, stomp. Yeah. Um, Done. Well, I, I would. They battle s- kaiju's, man. Come on. Well, I would say this much. Um, I don't know if it's a pro or a con, but the uh, the mechs from Pacific Rim require two people to True. power them, and they have to sync up at least two people. Right. Yes. And so it requires on their uh, synchronization, their right. compatibility. So we're gonna put we're gonna put two vetted uh, yeah. veterans. Sure. So it's two people who have been through it. And they know they're synced, and they know how to work the robot. Well, because that's the thing is, like, I feel like that syncing can be good, but it also requires, like, if there's any sort of damage that's done to that. To the robot or to, to the sync? To, to the robot. Okay. And all, for some reason, one of them gets incapacitated or disconnected, that machine won't function. Sure. So that's a huge disadvantage, Absolutely, I feel like. yeah. But I'd also like to think that a fully synchronized couple like that can be pretty powerful in their own right. I mean, they're battling kaijus. I think they have to be. Yeah, and they have some pretty cool weapons, but so do Transformers. I mean, Jesus, they can one can transform in and out of a fucking jet. Right. You know, and the other one's just a semi. They got but tanks. Whatever. Well, the semi one, though, he has a sword he can pull out. That's true. And I think that he's got some sort of a blaster, like a cannon or something. I, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of almost give credit to the Transformers in the sense that they're much more machine-like based on now they're not like terminators so to speak right but they seem a lot more logical yes that that would be very accurate yeah um and maybe a little more uh they're compassionate towards humans but only because it, you know they're being attacked by their enemies so right. I, I would say in this situation if they're gonna they we've seen them just absolutely I, i'm gonna be honest i've only seen the first transformers movie yeah. but i mean i've seen trailers where they're you know fighting things ripping things apart absolutely and things like yeah. that so I initially, w- though, I would say like the 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 robots from Pacific Rim. What do they call Mercs? I, I called them mechs, mechs. I don't think that's what they're called, but whatever. Um, they're mech suits. Is what the I the PRBs, them. Pacific yeah. Rim robots, right? <laughs> so the PRBs versus the Transformers. The PRBs have um, no PRR. PRRs. <laughs> yeah. like, that doesn't make sense. Pacific Rim bots. Yeah, that's where I was okay, going. Yeah, gotcha. I like PRB better. Yeah. So the PRBs. The prts. You're an asshole. The PBRs. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, they are... Uh, I, I initially had kind of cons- remembered that they were... I, they felt very um, fluid. Like mm-hmm. they were able to maneuver out. They're agile. They could jump and they could mm-hmm. move. And I thought maybe more so than the Transformers. But the Transformers have shown 
they're pretty uh, agile. pretty agile. Yeah, I mean they're jumping and transforming midair into different things. Yeah. And well, the I, fact that they can transform too, I feel like that to get for some reason gives them a depending on what it is. I say it depends because if you transform from you into know, co- Optimus into a Prime, Camaro, <laughs> yeah, from right. like you know Optimus Prime into a, a, a Mack truck, it's right. like who gives a shit, right. you know. Um, but I feel like still they're very agile. I mean, Jesus, Optimus Prime rides a dinosaur, you know. So. I mean, like game over. Game over, man. Am I right? Um, I feel like I'm going to give an edge to the Transformers. I feel like yeah. just what yeah. they have at their disposal with the Pacific Rim. It, de- I mean, there's different models and different you know enhancements that each one has. Right, like the the one uh, was able. They had like it was like two or three heads, and they mm-hmm. had blades, and then another one was just a straight up like humanoid type with a yeah. yeah so they the all one had, had their the own. sledgehammer and yeah. like. Ball and chain sort of stuff. Other one had a sword. Yeah. Like they all had different sort of capabilities. Um, but I just feel like you know, assuming same size, I feel like transformers are going to be a little more uh, effective. Yeah, I would say given the given the size, scaling it down so they're the same size, I'm going to have to give it to the transformers. They just yeah. have they've got the edge. Yeah. Bottom I, line, I'd give it up for the transformers. Transformers for the win! <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Justin, would, is there anything you want to promote or shout uh, out? Yeah, I'm going to shout out again, Chicago HR. Fucking nice. check out the web series, Chicago HR, uh, colon, web series or the web series. If you just YouTube it or Facebook it or Instagram it or Twitter it, you'll find it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they just won the May 2018 uh, LA Shorts Awards. Uh, so definitely check them out and uh, show a lot of love. Share them around. And then uh, there was one other thing I was going to. Uh, oh, Rampage. Go see Rampage. Ugh, so mad at you. Yeah. Um, or Deadpool I, or Infinity War. Just go see yeah, a movie. whatever. You know, support movies. Out. Yeah, support the really struggling uh, movie executives right. out there. Uh, I like to shout out. Uh, there's a documentary out on Netflix called Evil Genius. Ooh. It's again executive produced by the Duplass brothers. Uh, it's only four episodes and it is fascinating. Okay. Essentially, it's about uh, this man who robbed a bank with a bomb attached to his neck. And uh, it was, they're trying to basically, it's happened in Erie, Pennsylvania back in 2003. Essentially, it's a story of how the investigators are figuring out who was really behind it. Okay. And it's interesting. All right. I can Very dig interesting. It. So Evil Genius, it's on Netflix now. Check it out. Love it. It's really, really good. Uh, also, you know, uh, based on this episode, let us know, like, what do you think? Who influenced you? Who have you influenced? What do you think makes an influential person? What matters? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Shout us uh, shout us out some comments. In order to do that, you can find us on Facebook. Look for our page there. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at MindGapPodcast. And Justin has some shit that he does online. That's right. On Instagram and Twitter, I get weird. Mm-hmm. Ricky. Justin underscore Michael is my handle, and you can check me out there. Um, while you're in the online realm, check us out on iTunes, on Stitcher. And Spotify. Oh, Spotify. We can uh, subscribe to us. You can review us. Let us know uh, what you think of the episodes. Let other people know what they're in for. Uh, Warn them before they jump into the awesomeness and get their minds blown in the mind gap. Uh, Also, share us. Uh, Very, very serious about that. We we love uh, when people share uh, anything that we do. Um, Not only does it help us, but it makes us feel good because you're like, oh, my God, someone thought enough of this to actually send it around. So uh, please feel free to do that. We're not opposed to it. We won't sue you. We will applaud you. We may even call you out by name. Same For thing. every share I see, I will add, I will post on all of our social medias a big thank you to that person. Thank you. So there's that. 
I don't know how you can I don't know how you can say no to that. That's right. If I were offering cash, if I were offered cash versus shout out from MindGap, I would 100% of the time take the shout out from MindGap. Who wouldn't? I mean, I'm just saying, right? TweetStates.com slash MindGap and TweetStates.com slash The Best Bar Podcast Ever uh, is uh, the other podcast to do every Monday with Mila Stevanovich. So check that out. It's about the bar industry and it's quite a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And please stop into Elephant and Castle and check them out. 185 uh, North Wabash. They got some fucking awesome specials. Awesome people who work here. And uh, if you want to, Haig's been sitting here the whole time. He uh, he's yeah. like he's like gonorrhea. He won't go away. As much as many shots as we take, he won't go away. Uh, but you can uh, you're dealing with gonorrhea right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you can come down, uh, and if you want, uh, come on down Hang and just check us. us out too. We record on Thursday nights, so come down and check us out. Yeah, we will invite you into the room, and uh, yeah be part of the show weird things will happen that's right thank you guys for listening and just remember influence somebody somebody just influence them whatever you want it's poetic (laughs) mind gap podcast